Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, John Malkovich. I'm going to talk to you this morning about what is the disciple? Because I think it's very relevant for us living in this time of earth's history. We need to review what God had intended for each one of us while we lived on earth, three score years and ten, what we should be doing. But I want to tell you something. The devil, Satan, is not sitting back allowing you to discover what I'm going to share with you. He's doing everything to distract you, in fact. I want you to uh, listen to what... I remember I started out, we are living in the time of the great controversy. We're coming to the end. So let me tell you what great controversy says. In facing life's records, you you know we're coming to a judgment, don't you? We all are. Every one of us, seated here, young and old, we all are coming to a judgment. This is what she says on page 488 of the Great Controversy. It says, Satan invents unnumbered schemes to occupy our minds that that they may not dwell upon the very work which we ought to be acquainted, to be best acquainted with. Do you you hear what I'm saying? He's taking your mind away from the things that some of you who are older now learnt in your early childhood. The arch deceiver hates the great truths that bring to view an atoning sacrifice um, and an all-powerful mediator. You've got to think about that for a moment. You know all the bad things that are going to happen. You know what you have to do. But if you don't put into that equation the atoning sacrifice of Jesus as the powerful mediator, none of us have got hope. Do you understand that? Without Jesus as our mediator, none of us have got hope. So Satan tries to distract you away from that. He knows that with, with him everything depends on diverting minds from Jesus and his truth. That's what he's doing. He's diverting your mind with all these um, stories on the internet, all these things. And by the way, some of them are true. But he's diverting your minds away from the simple fact. Now in 2021, we should be developing a stronger relationship with Jesus and with God. Before I start, I want to invite you to bow your heads. Father in heaven, it is a joy and a privilege to have a smile on our face that we can know that we have victory with Jesus. I pray that for every head that's bowed here and those at home, that you will, through the power of the Holy Spirit, excite us, give us an energy that we not had before because we have the truth, how to defeat Satan and how to live this life victoriously through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Guide us, O oh Father, through this hour, I pray. May each one of us go away knowing that we've been in your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, this morning we're going to look at what the Bible reveals about a disciple. What is a disciple? It is God's plan that we accept and believe in Jesus Christ as our Saviour and that we will grow to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, who he sent, by the way. He will show us how to live and teach others about God and eternal life. That's Jesus. You know in the Bible in John chapter three, uh, chapter 17 and verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that ye may know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. The Bible is a revelation of God and of Jesus Christ whom he sent. He will show us how to obtain eternal life. By the way, the Bible says the living know they shall die. So no matter what circumstances you find yourself in the COVID-19 virus, in the political crisis around the world, in the wars or whatever, God's protection will sustain you but eternal life is granted at the end. That's when we say and pray, God save us. That's what we really mean. It's referring to eternal life. When I was not a Christian, I just believed you were born. You lived to die. Did you hear that? You lived to die. Because the Bible says the living nose shall die. And that was it. No more. And you know what? I wasn't unhappy about that because I did not know any different. I was taught that and I believed it. But then when I heard about Jesus and what he was offering me, eternal life, which he offers you also, it's a free gift, then I began to embrace what God has been trying to tell us through every generation from the beginning till now that he is willing to save us. We're in a war, but he's going to save us. And that's what we need to uphold. To be a disciple of Christ is not a small thing. Did you hear me tell you that? It's not a small thing. It requires a lot of conviction and stamina and a willingness to follow the Lord, regardless of the suffering involved. To be a disciple of Christ to, means to live by faith, to trust God even in the hardest of times. Now, I want to say something. To live by faith is not an easy thing. This man bought a loaf of bread, right? If you don't have a lot of bread or food, what happens to you? You'll die. It's pretty simple. If you don't have water, you'll die. If you don't have spiritual bread and the living water, you will die. To be a disciple of Christ means to live by faith. Rosie and I have had to experience living by faith. And I mean living by faith. We're gone into a grocery store to buy food and we didn't have the money to pay for it. We'd come back from the mission field working for the Lord and we didn't have money to pay for it. Let me tell you something. If you trust in God, you, got, you know, God says, try me. Try me. I want to tell you, that we have been living through this ministry of 3ABN, trusting in God, we don't lack anything. We don't have one debt. But I want to tell you, most of you get five more times pay than we get. I'm not saying we want anything. I'm not saying that. But I want to say you have to realise 
that God is the provider. He can take $1 and make it $100. But that takes faith. Don't presume on God either. If you're going to ask God, you've got to remember he's going to test you. It means to be willing to die for self. To be, a, to be a disciple, it means to be willing to die to self and live for the good of others and for the glory of God. So it's not just a matter of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm South. No, no, you've got to live to the glory of God. What is a disciple? The Bible SDA um, dictionary defines it basically as one who, as a student or adherent, follows the teaching of another, especially of a public teacher. In the New Testament, we're talking of Jesus as a public teacher and his follower, uh, and his followers becoming his disciples. So that's what we're talking about. And by the way, there are a lot of dis- other disciples in the world that are followers, followers of football, followers of this, followers of that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what is a disciple of Jesus. Okay, a disciple is a lifelong learner. How long? A lifelong learner. Will we ever in our lifetime get to know all about Jesus? No. A lifelong learner, if you are in the kingdom of heaven, you will continue to learn about God and Jesus because when you think that God is infinite, Will we ever get to the point, if you think about infinity, that we will know everything? No. That's the joy and the privilege. The things you don't know about here and now, the things that you think, oh, that person was... You'll find throughout eternity the wonderful love of God towards each and every one of us. When Christ calls us, we are to follow wherever he leads and no matter the suffering involved, for it will involve suffering if for no other reason that it must involve sacrifice. In human terms, the reward of a two discipleships seems rather meagre. It is. You look at what happened to all the disciples in the, in the, in the beginning. But when the true dimension of life in Christ is discovered, we realise it's worth suffering for, for no matter the cost here and now. I know that a lot of you people may have been hurting. You know, many of you have gone through experiences that you would wish no one to go through. I went through a broken marriage. I never wish that upon anyone. If anything, I would get alongside them and encourage them. I'm sure you've heard Christians refer to themselves as a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus. You've heard that? Have you heard them refer to themselves? I have. Well, Billy Graham was asked this question by a young man. I'm a new Christian to the Christian faith. My parents were atheistic and were very hostile toward religion. So I'm not familiar with some of the religious words that Christians use. By the way, when I became a Seventh-day Adventist, I was very unfamiliar to the Adventist terms that you take for granted, that were taken for granted, that everybody knew. And this is the question, he says, for example, what exactly does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? 
Well, that's a good question. If you're a new Christian, what does it actually mean? Well, you could say, well, what does it actually mean that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist? You can say, what, is it, what does it actually mean for me as a Seventh-day Adventist to be called a disciple of Jesus? He says, this was Billy Graham's answer, thank you for your letter. I believe it will be an encouragement to others who come from a similar background. Never forget, God is able to break through even the most stubborn barriers of unbelief and bring hope and new life to all who sincerely seek him. Jesus' promise is true. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. In Matthew, that was in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. He goes on to say, a disciple is simply someone who believes in Jesus and seeks to follow him in his or her daily life. Originally, of course, a disciple was someone who literally knew Jesus in the flesh and followed him. But after he was taken up into heaven, anyone who was committed to Jesus was called a disciple. And that's what you are. That's what I am. Now that you have come to Christ and are seeking to follow him. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means, first of all, that we want to learn from him. Did you hear that? That was a good, that was a good sentence there. And we will, as we study God's word, the Bible, and listen to others teach from it. Make the Bible part of your life every day. Good counsel. The psalmist says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. That's Psalm 119, verse 130. But being a disciple also means we want to put God's word into action by seeking to live the way Christ wants us to live, with God's help. Remember that. It's always with God's help. Thank God every day for his great love for you and ask him to help you share his love with others. That was Billy Graham's answer. But that was a good answer. And the last sentence helps us to understand what we all should be doing as disciples. And that is, you listen to his statement, he said to share his love with others. And I would like to add to that to live for God and for others, not just for ourselves. You know what? We live in a world where people just live for themselves. If you've had need of help and you ask one of your brethren, I've had many times, oh, I can't come. Oh, I've got this doing, I'm doing that. Service for God means sacrifice for God. You have to make time, make it a priority to help others because that's what Jesus did for you, every single one of us. He makes time for everyone, young and old, every single one. In Luke, so that was a good answer. Um, in Luke 9.23, if you want to read from, uh, go there, I, I, there's a lot more Bible texts you'll be looking at, but Luke 9.23, if you go there, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament, the Bible says, Luke 9, 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Remember I told you, it's not easy to be a disciple. It means you have to deny self. You know, in the Sabbath school lesson, I liked it too. The hindrance to each and every one of us is to deny ourselves. That's, that's what we have to overcome. That's what we have to overcome. I want to tell you, being a disciple energises the spirit, challenges the mind, and demands our utmost in our relationship with God and our fellow man. Without total allegiance to Christ and the demands of his life and message, there can be no discipleship. What higher calling could one have than to partner with God? What other calling? What, what a higher calling is that? This is the God of the universe, the infinite one, the one that knows everything. It should be a, a, an inspiration to every one of us that we are not partnering with somebody else, we are partnering with the God of the universe who has one purpose for us, that you and I, you and I, could be with God throughout eternity. Beautiful. It's a beautiful message. That's what the Bible is about. You know, Alan White says in Desire of Ages, page 251, God takes men as they are. That's fantastic. There's no one here that says, God doesn't want me. Do you know that? There is not one here that God says he doesn't want you. He wants to educate each one of us for his service if they will yield themselves to him. That's the challenge, whether we yield ourselves to him. The spirit of God received into the soul will quicken all its faculties. This is in Desire of Ages, page 251. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the mind that is devoted unreservedly to God develops harmoniously and is strengthened to comprehend and fulfil the requirements of God. The weak, vacillating, um, the weak, vacillating. I've just got to get back here. Character. This is still from Alan, uh, great, um, the Desire of Ages, page two fifty one. Um, the weak, vacillating character becomes changed to one of strength and steadfastness. Do you hear? We do vacillate, vacillate don't we? One day if we're feeling a little bit down, well, you know, one day when we're feeling good. So what are we doing? We're vacillating. We're going from good to, un, you know, un, that's, that's the way we are. It's not the way God had intended, by the way. But once you have God in your life, he strengthens you. And uh, it, it strengthens you, and you, you don't vacillate so much. You might still, but it reduces. You have a purpose and a direction, so you know where you're going, so you can be strong and invigorated for God. Continual devotion establishes so close a relationship between Jesus and his disciple that the Christian becomes like him, where? In mind and character. Now, if you look through the Bible or through Alan White's writing, I think the most used word in, the, in her writings is the word character. I know it's over 30,000 times because you know why it's so important? This body that I have here, that's this one here, the flesh, and the one that you can feel yourself and 
Well, that, that's not what's going to be in heaven. Your body is going to be made new again, recreated. But it's your character, your mind that you develop here that fits you for the kingdom of heaven. That's what fits you for the kingdom of heaven. That's why there is so much emphasis that through the spirit of prophecy, through God's messenger, Ellen White, she's continually repeating the importance of character. That character is not formed in the image of Jesus, in the image of God. We, we don't fit into heaven. So it becomes important that we get to know God and Jesus, whom he sent. In, and... Uh, when I'm talking about mind and character, there's a text in the Bible, Philippians 2, chapter, four, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, it said, Let this mind be in you. What? That was also in who? In Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. It's not, it might be in you, or you might not be able to. He says, let this mind be in you, because that's what happens when we get a closer walk with him, we become like him in mind and character. I want to be beside him. I don't want to have the mind and character of the devil. I don't think anyone does here. Jesus wants to teach others. A close relationship with Jesus will reveal um, that you might think that's the job of the pastor. Well, I want to tell you, to be a disciple of Jesus means everyone's sitting here as well as the pastor, and your job is what? To tell others about Jesus. Jesus taught his disciples, you remember, at the very beginning? And in turn, they taught others and they became disciples. And here we are, how many years since that time? Nearly 2,000 years on. And guess what? Today's disciples are doing the same thing. They're still doing the same thing. They're still telling people about Jesus. Are you? When we take time to read the Bible and pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance, we soon discover how meaningful life can be if we choose to live our lives in accordance with the teachings of Jesus. It's not easy. I now want you to do a Bible study with you. And um, I want to look at nine questions, just nine, okay? And on your piece of paper, you can write the question... And I want to put what you think, what you think um, is the answer to this question, or what you believe it is. doesn't matter. But now I'm going to look, I guess the best way to, to answer the question, who can be a disciple, is actually look in the Bible and just read a bit who was a disciple so that you can be assured that you too can be a disciple. Okay. So I'm going to look at three texts, Acts 9, 26, 36, and 16, 1. So the question was, who can be a disciple? So what is your answer? You can write it on your paper, a piece of paper, and we're going to look and see what the Bible says. In Acts 9, 26, if you want to come with me there, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. The Bible says, 
in Acts 9.26. So we're talking about, let's look at who is a disciple, okay? When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So what sort of person was Saul? He was a persecutor of the Christians. He was a persecutor of the disciples. There's no way that you would think that he would be a disciple, would you? But, you know, he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus. He became Paul. He became a disciple. Isn't that hope for you? Have you, have you thought about that? In just a bit further on, in 9.36, the Bible says, How there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. Hello? which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So what does that text tell you about you ladies? You too can be a disciple. One more. Uh, there are a lot more, but we don't have time. So Acts chapter 16, just a bit further on, and verse 1. Then, uh, I'll give you some time, sorry. Acts chapter 16, and those at home, I'd encourage you to go to your Bibles and check it out, write it down, because this will help you in these last moments of this earth's history to realise Seventh-day Adventists, disciples of Jesus, what we should be and what we should be doing. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So you don't have to be born into a Seventh-day Adventist family with a father that's a Seventh-day Adventist and a mother that's a Seventh-day Adventist. That's good. You can be born into a family of different persuasions, different beliefs, but you can still be a disciple of Jesus. So let's look who can be a disciple what do you think? Everyone who believes in Jesus. That qualifies you to be a disciple. The next question says, what must I do to be a disciple? Well, there are a lot of things that we think about, and I would like you to write your answer down, your own personal answer, because this is something that we think about salvation by works. It comes into a lot of people's minds. But I want to tell you that the Bible has that to say too, but this is what I want to look at, and it's found in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. So what did I say? Luke chapter 14. We're in the New Testament. We won't be going out of the New Testament. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. This is what it says. In my, my Bible, it says the cost of being a disciple. So what must I do to be a disciple? There must be a cost involved. Did you hear me? It says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, what? He cannot be my disciples. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
Now, they're pretty hard words, but that's not what it's saying. It's not to say that you hate your mother and, and father and brother and sister. No, no, no. That's saying you have to put me ahead of them. That's what it's saying. And uh, so, what must I do to be a disciple? Here we go. Love my master more than anything or anyone else. That's what the Bible teaches. So you, you think about these things because it's really reflecting on, do I really understand what it is to be a disciple of Jesus? So it's exciting because we all can be disciples. We all, have, we, we all can have family. We can love them and share them, but we have to put God before them. And that's like in that story, that young man who had parents that were totally atheistic and hated religion. He made a choice. He decided to follow Jesus. My next question, who should we all look to? Well, boys and girls, who should we all look to when we are young and we are learning? We look to mum and dad. God intended it that way, that we should look to our mum and dad and in turn mum and dad will reflect Jesus and they will see Jesus in their parents. The Bible says... Um, actually, I didn't le- read Luke 14:33. I'm just going to say it to you now in that last question. Um, what must I do to be a disciple? It's found in Luke 14:33. So likewise, whosoever be he be of, of you that forsake not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So it, there's the same thing. You've got to put Jesus first. Okay, this question, what should we all look to? What did you write down? Don't tell me. What did you write down? Um, the answer we'll find in the Bible, Hebrews 12, 1, 2. Let's see what the Bible says in Hebrews. It's a little bit further on in the, in the um, Bible. First uh, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, chapter 3. Uh, sorry, um, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I like this passage. It's something that we have to live by now in these last days. It's really to persevere in faith. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So... Who should we look to? What does the Bible say? Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't think it's too confusing. I think it's pretty clear. The next question, what does Jesus require of his disciples? Wow, this is an interesting one. What does Jesus require of his disciples? Let's turn to the Bible in the book of John. Chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter 8, Bible's pretty clear, verses 31 and 32. What is your answer? Well, what does the Bible say? We read in John 8, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then... Are ye my disciples indeed? Verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, 
What does Jesus require of his disciples? What did he require of the Jews who accepted him? What does it say? To continue in his teachings, his word. That's what each one of us as disciples need to do because without that, we will lean on our own strength and we'll lean on our own understanding. That's not what Jesus is telling. Question five, who shall we be like? Well, who shall we be like? Come with me to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 25. Matthew chapter 4 verses 22, sorry, chapter 10 verses 24 to 25. While you're getting that, put down your answer, what you think. Maybe you just need to think it. Matthew chapter 10 verses 24 to 25. 24 and 25. This is what the Bible says. This is the Bible's answer. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above the Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. So what does it say? Who should we be like? Our servant master, like Jesus. He was a servant. He he didn't come as a kingly power. He came as a servant to serve and to show the love of God and how God wants you to represent him as his disciples. What do people see you like? Question six. How, shall pe- how will people know that we are as disciples? Oh, this is sort of the rubber hitting the road, isn't it? Hmm? In John chapter 13, um, just a little bit further on from where we were, John chapter 13, the Bible says, John 13, let me just press that up there, 13, 35, 13, 34, 35. Okay, this is what the Bible says. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall men know that what? What? That ye are my disciples. Do you get that? Okay. So what was your answer? How will people know that we are his disciples? Some may think it's how big my, how much I give. Some might think um, it's how much I go to prayer so many times a day. It, it, this is what the answer is. Because we, uh, because we love one another as Jesus loves us. Do you see that? It's not to do with money, property, wealth, job. It's really to do about God's love. That's right. Okay, question seven. What is Jesus' desire for his disciples? What do you think? What's your answer? What do you think is Jesus' desire for his disciples? Yes, number one, that you all be saved. But what does the Bible say? Look, let's look at John chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. What is Jesus' desire? So just turn over a little bit further on. John uh, chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. So what you wrote down your answer. What do you think? Okay, well, let's see what the Bible says. Here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. 
As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Uh, uh, continue in my love. So, what is the desire for Jesus for his disciples? They bear much fruit and continue in his love. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, do you know what they are? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the Bible's very clear, you know, it's very clear. Bear much fruit. Well, I want to tell you something. To bear any fruit as a Christian, there has to be a connection. I love growing things. Do you, you like growing things? You, you watch, you plant a fruit tree, apart from the fruit fly I don't like. They, the, the branch has to be attached to the main stem. The Bible says we have to be attached to the vine because if we're not attached to the vine, our fruit, it'll die. So if you're out there being a disciple and you're sharing Jesus, that's fantastic. But the fruit will develop as you become attached to the vine. It's not your power. It's not your knowledge of the scripture. It's Jesus working in that person's life through the Holy Spirit. That's the life-giving sap that transformed the character of a sinful person into a righteous person. So, bear much fruit. Question eight, what are we assured of by Jesus? Ah, oh, you want assurance, don't you? You want assurance that you, want to be a, that you are a disciple um, of Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Let me go there. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. So let's go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then it's Colossians. Chapter 8. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Let's, let's see. You want to have confidence, don't you? So what was your answer? What are we assured of by Jesus? What is your answer? Let me see what the Bible says. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the day of Jesus Christ? His second coming. So you are assured if you accept Jesus into your life and continue having him in your first in your life, you will be assured of the resurrection when he comes. He will be there whether you're in the grave or you're alive or wherever you may be, in prison, in hospital, you're assured that you will be him throughout eternity. What is it? He will. It doesn't say maybe. It says he will perform his good work in us. My last question. Who tells us to go and teach and make disciples? Ah, the pastor does. Good on him. The, the church elder does. Good on him. The mum and dad telling the children, good on you. Okay. My question to you is, and I, I'm going to ask you, where do you get the answer to this question? You all should know it. The Bible. Where? What is that? What is those verses about? That's the Gospel Commission. Go ye into all the world. That's what is very clear. If you haven't read it, you don't know it, 
go and teach all nations, teaching them all the things I have taught you. So remember at the beginning, a disciple is someone who has a teacher. He then accepts the truths. He learns about them. He then puts them into his practice in his life. And then he goes and does like his teacher. And baptised. Very important. Good on you, brother. So, the, the answer to that question, well, if you want to read Matthew 28, let's go there. Dinner's waiting, but it can wait. A little bit longer. Your appetite should be stronger. So we're going to go where? Matthew chapter 28. This is the last chapter. And um, it's Jesus giving the Great Commission. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, always, even unto the end of the world. I want to just put this answer down. Jesus, the Great Commission. I want to tell you something. There may be some of you sitting here thinking that when you're to go and teach, you have to know everything about the Bible. Did you hear what I said? And some are very discouraged not to go and teach because they don't know all the answers and all the Bible. I don't either. There's no one that knows, but God has given enough for us to know to share with others. And you know what? Studying and reading the word of God, when you read, there's a certain amount absorbed. A lot of people in society today are looking with their eyes. So you can be a disciple of Jesus to your children by what they see you do, by your fellow worker where you work, by how you behave and respond to certain circumstances. It can be in the schools where children go. They can see there's something that's very, very noticeable. God tells us that his remnant people will be a peculiar people. I don't say weird. That's not what I'm talking about. Peculiar in the sense that people will see in us something that's so different that they want. And you know what it is that they want to see? They want to see this Jesus that you represent. That's what a disciple does. So you don't have to give Bible studies. They can see you in your kindness when you give a gift of food or help someone who hasn't got any money or help someone who needs help across the street or you stand up on a bus and let someone who needs to sit down. These are, this is the Gospel Commission. Yes, very good. I want to personalise this. So I want to ask you, this is what I want to challenge with, to you to think about. Am I a disciple of Jesus? Good question. 
Well, it's something you want to think about for a moment. I'm going to let you think about it because I want to tell you, as we've seen in the Word of God, oops, disciples are new creations in Christ. When you accept Jesus, you're not the sinful man that you were once. You are now a new creation in Christ. Disciples love to dwell on Christ, his will and his word. Disciples exhibit the fruit of the spirit. So there's, if you're connected to Jesus and he's come to save everyone, he's going to use you. That's his plan. Disciples are obedient to Christ's calling because of his love for them. You know, the Bible talks about in, in Revelation, here are they that what? Keep what? The commandments of God and have the test- faith of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. You see, that's what, we're, that's what we're to reflect in the community where we are. What about disciples want to share and teach others, Jesus is coming soon. You know, we have been given, particularly the Seventh-day Adventist church, the three angels' messages. You know what they are? In summary, just a few words. God's truth, that's the first angel's message. The second one is Satan's lies. And the third one is you choose. That's what the three angels' messages entail. So we need to share that with others. That's our last message for this time of Earth's history. I want to personalise this. And I want you to listen to the words. And as you listen to the words, I want you to think about what is a disciple because this song will reveal it to you. Is the face that I see in the mirror the one I want others to see? Do I show in the way that I walk in my life The love that you've given to me My heart's desire is to be like you In all that I do Oh 
hold out a heart of compassionate grace, a heart that your spirit fills. May I show forgiveness and mercy the same way you've shown it to me. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus and you want others to see Jesus in you, I've got good news, really good news. Listen, every day make Jesus your first priority. Do you hear that? Your first priority. How? Well, read the Bible. Pray to God. Every day surrender your will to Jesus. Then share him with someone. Be doing acts of kindness is the greatest way of winning people to Jesus. Did you know that? A hundred sermons will not do what one little act of kindness will do to your children, to your parents, to your neighbour, to the person you work with. Acts of kindness change people's lives. I want to appeal to you this morning. If you have made a decision 
a commitment. You want to make a commitment to Jesus to be his disciple. I know you can do it in your thoughts and in your minds. But I want to tell you, God knows it. Jesus knows it. He reads your thoughts and the Holy Spirit knows it. But what about the beings on the other universe and the other planets? The angels, how do they know what you have made a commitment for here today? And I just want to ask you, if you want to be to be witnessed by your fellow church members, then raise your hands and then in heaven they will see also your commitment to be a disciple of Jesus this day forward. I'd invite you to stand and I invite those at home even to stand, those who are watching on Zoom as I close with prayer. The appeal has been made and I'm praying now. Father in heaven, you saw the raised hands. You know that being a disciple of Jesus is our only surety for the kingdom of heaven as we get closer to Jesus. May this church unite in acts of kindness to one another, to acts of kindness around those about, that they will see Jesus in us and they will want to know you too and that you will be their God. And Father, you will save us all in the kingdom. We ask your blessing now as we go. May the word of God penetrate deep into our hearts and into our minds that we will be invigorated for the final work that you've called us to do. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was made available by the Dundas Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, Dundas Seventh-day Adventist Church. Listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking with God. Today's prayer is entitled, God's Perfect Timing. And I would like to share a passage, two passages in fact, from the gift, a paraphrase of the Bible. Firstly from Galatians and secondly from John. But at just the right time, God sent his son into the world through the miracle of human birth born subject to the law, Galatians 4.4, and from John 7.6, but Jesus knew when he should do what he needed to do, so he said to them, the great crisis of my life has not yet come, but now is your time to believe if only you will. And the introductory thought, tracing the lines of prophecy in the Bible from proclamation to fulfilment is a fascinating and faith-affirming exercise. This is one way that God shows the veracity of his word and what an assurance it is for us who cannot predict what the next hour or day will bring. Now let us pray. Dear Father God, the one who inhabits eternity, but who has given us this ethereal thing called time 
to mark off the years of our lives. We are grateful that, in our words, your timing is perfect. A study of the prophecies of your word, fulfilled as they have been throughout history, reveals very clearly that you are the master of events, of history and of time. This is a wonderful thing, for it gives us certainty in an uncertain world. It shows that above and below all the uncertainty that we have come to expect in this age, in your own good time, you will accomplish your will as you intended to from the beginning. In a personal way and while guiding in the great matters of this world, you do for us, for me, for everyone in faith connection with our Saviour, yourself and Holy Spirit. In the small and perhaps mundane things, what is best for us at just the right time? Sometimes it seems to me that your help is delayed, that we'd rather you come to our aid right now, or that you should answer our prayers just when we want answers. However, you have a better way to meet our concerns. You see that the good you want to do for us is done in your own good time and at just the right moment as you see best. All of this is done without any attempt to change our will, to negate the power of choice that goes to the core of what we are as human beings. Instead, you arrange circumstances and events so that, exercising your omniscience, the outcome that you desire is accomplished. We then see that the result is really just what we think we prayed for, or if not, it is a better answer than we could have imagined. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect timing. I acknowledge that you know best, so help me to pray, not that my will be done, but that your will shall always prevail. I am ever your grateful child. Amen. To obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.